This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve go full Bananarama as we ride along the moonlit avenues of an 8-bit 80s synth nostalgia diet horror mystery trip where curiosity dances with danger to break down RKSS 2018 jug, summer of 84. Join us as we got to install microwave ovens, chastise our lead Davey on his uninspired PB&J game, and take the Nest T plunge into a time where walkie-talkies were the ultimate spy gadget and friendship was forged in the fires of adventure and ripping on one another mercilessly. Where cruel summer, kids on bikes, and all things analog reign supreme, the undercurrent of danger and the unknown belie this carefree suburban milieu glistening with the veneer of innocence. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers at the vanguard of the nostalgic labyrinth guide us, their sleek forms cutting through the darkness like shadows in motion. Bikes! Let's wax this on bikes porpoise. Chase, don't do that. There's a serial killer on the loose. What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. All right, welcome back to Waxing the Porpoise. We are back again here on episode 65 now, gathered to discuss summer of 84 from 2018. Uh, this evening, you got myself, Jim G. Baby. My friends and I just had a run in with these really disgusting people. You might have heard of them, the Fratellis. And of course, we have the usual suspect, Steve, a.k.a. the Wizard of Oz. How's it going, man? Doing fantastic, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good. I can't remember. Have you still not seen The Goonies? Is that one no, you've I've, never I've seen? seen it. Yeah. Okay. No, I've, I've seen that one a bunch. Okay. I wasn't sure yet because between like like the oddballs that you have actually seen and the times that you fucked with me and said, Oh yeah, I've seen it. No, I haven't. I can't <laughs> I couldn't remember if that was one of those. So cool because this flick actually we're gonna talk about has a lot of parallels to to Goonies and I was hoping that you had seen it and and we could rap about that but those were a couple lines I pulled from Goonies that are my like my favorite when Chunk is like on the side of the road. And he's like, yeah. hey, help me. And then he turns on the light and he's like, oh, fuck. And he starts singing that Italian shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I didn't even really make the connection to the Goonies, but this this movie does have a, a serious Goonies feel to it that I, I never thought of. My, my initial thought was um, it's got a very heavy Stranger Things vibe mixed with like a more modern, less shitty version of the Burbs. But I, I didn't oh. add I didn't add in the uh, Goonies angle. So yeah, I that's that's a uh, touche because I didn't think about the burbs, but I can definitely feel that influence and that vibe too. But yeah, right away I was like, I, I've seen this before, but this time it like it like jumped out at me. I was like, oh dude, this is fucking this is Goonies like light. And I saw, I have a a little quick breakdown on like the uh, equivalencies and the parallels. I was like, dude, it is there. And there's a couple other things that they pay 
homage to. And I think one of the strengths of this flick is that they do it. There's a couple of points where they do it like real in your face, like right on the fucking nose. But I think the majority of the shit that they pay homage to in this eighties nostalgia thing that they have going, uh, is done like pretty well, like well done, clever. And like, not like, not trying to wink at you like, Whoa, see, this is from this. So, um, so you'd never seen that. Have, had you heard about this or ever seen a preview for this or was this just total blind walking into this off, off my radar so much so that I kept even forgetting the name of it. Like when I went to go look it up to actually watch it, I had to go back to our text and even, even like halfway through the movie, I had completely forgotten the name of it so much so that in my mind, I was like, what the hell year is this supposed to be taking place? Is this like late eighties, early nineties? And then, you know, they show the the Reagan 84 sign. I was like, oh yeah, it must be 84. And then I remember, oh yeah, that's the name of the movie. (laughs) It's in the fucking title. Pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so th- this was uh, directed in 2018. This is the follow-up um, from. So this is another one of those uh, that I've I've started to notice more and more, like these collectives of directors. So it's not just one director. Uh, this is like a, a trio, and they call themselves RKSS, uh, which is an initialism for Roadkill Superstars. Like that's their, like they're a band or something similar to, um, you know, the new screams, scream five and scream six are done by, uh, what is it? Radio silence. That's like a two or three person, uh, producing, writing, directing team that, that share a credit. I think in number six, they broke that up a little bit and they didn't. It's gotta be a tough arrangement. Yeah, I was thinking about like financially, like how do you, so you split everything three ways as a director, like, or do you work something out like custom when you're negotiating, like with the studio or. Or even, even just creatively, if you have three different people, how how long is that going to take if you have three different visions of every scene or, yeah, I I don't know. They must've figured out a, a way to make it work, but. Yeah, they must on, be on, pretty simpatico to, to get to make to be able to create something like that. You know, like maybe one dude like they just know, OK, you're more of like the sound guy and aesthetic and you're like the more, you know, storyline and then you're the more visual. Maybe. I don't know. Well, uh, you think about yeah, it like it's a, interesting, like a band. If you've got one guy who's the crazy control freak egomaniac. And everybody else is just kind of like a musician that's like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever you want to do, that can work. But if you have two or three guys who are all the, the egomaniac yeah. control freaks, that, that's not going to work. No. You got three Jimmies. I keep coming back to the herdsman. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I wonders. One, wonders. <laughs> got it. Um <clears throat> So the the three people, they're a Canadian group. Uh, it's Francois Samard, Anouk Whistle, and Yoann Carl Whistle. Um, they're known for, I don't know if you've ever seen this or heard about it. They did they Turbo related? Kid. The Two of them are. Okay. Um, I think it's two dudes and a gal. And I can't okay. remember which is which. 
like whose brother and sister, if it's two brothers, but they did, uh, they, they shot to, uh, or they claim to fame is, uh, they worked on turbo kid, which was like, I think it was like an indie didn't go to theaters. I think Netflix scooped it up. So it was like a net Netflix original or exclusive. It's pretty fun. It's got Michael Ironside in it. It's like a, it's very synth heavy like this, and it takes place in a different time and age. And it's v- super gory. Like it's almost kind of like a Mad Maxi, uh, but like teenage bubblegum pop. But it still retains like a fuck ton of gore. So it's it's kind of a fun movie. I I liked it a lot. So um, when I heard that this was their next project, like an '80s kind of nostalgia trip, like horror mystery kind of thing, I was I was pretty psyched for it. So. Um, and yeah, this is like hot off the heels of like stranger things season two ish, I think, uh, was about the time this was released. So they were definitely riding a wave of, sure. uh, of that kind of stuff. Have you seen any of the stranger things at this point now? Yeah. Or did you try watching season one and you gave up? No, we, we watched all of, I think season one and two and I think there might have been a longer break between two and three. There was. Okay. And then I just kind of fell off, never got back on. I heard, I heard a lot about things that happened that season, like main people who died. So that took a little bit of the desire away to watch it and just never really got back into it. I hear they're great. I'm sure they're great. But Yeah. I would say if you can, I think, season two gets the most i won't say hate but people like it the least Hmm. is kind of the consensus i've seen so i really like season two because it goes it leans heavy into the halloween time with all the pumpkins and shit and the upside down like i like that so i i would say if you were even just okay with season two season three really like brings it um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a really fun summertime watch. See, three, three takes place during the summer. So it's very like, if you like to watch it in the season and get in to that kind of, uh, vibe, I'd, I'd definitely recommend it. And season four was, was pretty awesome too. So, um, yeah, this is very similar. I mean, a lot of the, like the synth cues and like, it's like this, uh, subgenre. I don't know if Bob from straight chilling coined it, but I've heard him mention it a lot. Um, kids on bikes like yeah. subgenre <laughs> this is a kids on bikes movie uh like like you think of like et and stranger things this um i i like that kind of aesthetic it takes me back to a more a more innocent time as it were and these guys getting into shit like goonies too is definitely kids on bikes movie like a stand by me sam oh yeah yeah, Sandlot. Even I, you could call kids on bikes. Even though I think the kids on bikes subgenre, it's got like a like an edge of like thriller or mystery going on. But I think okay. you could lump other stuff in there, like that's more carefree, like Sandlot. I I could definitely see that being grouped in here. But is that kind of a turnoff thing to you, or did it did this w- in, help you enjoy this more? That kind of this milieu. Uh, no, it did. It didn't. It didn't take anything away from it for me. I mean, I I try to keep my expectations low and try to try to look look at these movies positively first before I go in with like the cynical asshole hat. And innocent so yeah. until proven guilty. Yeah. 
So, I mean, pretty early on, you could tell, like, wow, this is very, very heavy Stranger Things influence. And that's fine. I mean, yeah. Um, and it, it, it was a fun movie. I liked it a lot. I liked that it was dark. I liked that the ending wasn't necessarily happy and yeah, all wrapped up tight. little bummed that there's not a sequel because I feel like that would be ripe for just, you know, this kid looking over his shoulder the entire movie waiting to find this guy coming after him and great great villain i thought he did a great job yeah and he's a fucking creep man i mean it's just a fun movie like i don't i don't really get why how somebody could be really critical of it now that being said i did find three bad reviews that they're just so good that i had <laughs> i had to pull all three and there's there's a common theme throughout them that just makes me laugh. So if you don't mind, I figured we would do one now and then one maybe like halfway through and, and then one at the end. Sure. And, yeah. Fire. And, and I, I think it could, could kind of lead into, I mean, I related to these kids quite a bit. Like I was a little 15 year old shithead dude, like making fun of your friends, talking about their moms yeah. and just kind of mm-hmm. getting into, into mischief. So none of that really struck me as unbelievable. Can I- but before we get into this, can I guess real quick who your favorite kid is in the in the group? I mean, you already know. You already know Eats. who it is. Oh yeah. Eats, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I, I like him the most too. I like Woody a lot because I identify with his character being the big the jolly fat guy. Uh the sure. foil to everyone else. But yeah, Eats is definitely the highlight in the group for sure. I was yeah, like, he, dude, I was like, this is either Steve or he likes this guy a lot. He, re- he reminds me of the kid from, uh, uh, scouts guide, the, the fucking, uh, the oh, home dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's that, right. that, that was like the same cloth. That was pretty much every kid I hung out with when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first bad review is from Sarah. She gave it a one out of five stars. And the title of her review is simply distasteful. And so what she says is, even if it's 1984, as a 2018 film, you don't have to glorify teenage boys nonstop talking about sex and masturbation while objectifying women. Not scary. Not a horror movie. Not like Stranger Things. Not nostalgic. Distasteful use of the R word and slow, predictable plot. If it's your second movie of the night, you might enjoy it. Wow. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) <laughs> if it's i disagree on multiple fronts but the even the very end it's okay if it's the second movie you watch at night what does that mean you see load yeah fuck? yeah i the the beginning statement it's like that's what 12 to 16 year old boys yeah. are like yeah. this is very uh accurate yes Right or wrong, it's like deal young, with it. Young boys are absolute animals. Yeah, there's that'll that's a constant. Yeah, there's the, a reason the, why the shape of things will change, but there it the archetype, I feel like, will always well there's maintain. That, you know the the stereotype or the trope of the overprotective dad in movies who's looking at the boyfriend like I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, yes, absolutely. Be- why do you know? Yes. Because we are all because, sick, yeah. disgusting <laughs> kids at one point. So, 
That's why I was like, I fucking pray to God I don't have um, daughters. I know. Or I girls. Couldn't. I couldn't. I would go yeah. to jail immediately. <laughs> I would have to. I would have to put myself in jail just voluntarily <laughs> for the safety of the neighborhood boys. Turn, pull a what's that guy's name? Gary Rouch, the guy in the phone bank. What's what the fuck's uh, his name? Gary Plouch, I think. Plouch, Rouch, yeah. Rouch, Plouch, Rouse, Rouse. Uh, I love, yeah. I love when he when he shoots the guy who molested his kid. That one cop's like, "Why, Gary?" It's like you know why this guy <laughs> molested my son violently and kidnapped yeah. him. Yeah, and killed him. And duh. Oh, uh, did the kid die? I don't think the kid died. Oh, he didn't. I, don't I know. thought he. I'll have to look into it. I could have. I. I just. I just had it in my head that that you told me that he had abducted, molested, and killed his eleven-year-old son. Maybe for some reason. For some reason, I'm thinking that. Either way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really doesn't change. I would have done the same thing. He just happened to get catch like a, a moment in time where he could actually pull that off. Like I feel like if if you you'd have to go about that a different way this day and age. Yeah, it'd be tough. I mean, even though public sentiment would most likely be on your side, they're not just going to give you probation. They'll they'll knock it down from murder to yeah. manslaughter, but you're still you're still I meant going more away. No, yeah, I I meant more like uh like the technical aspect of like getting into that. Uh, oh, bringing a handgun into an airport? Yeah, that would be a little yeah, more tougher. Yeah, finding that perfect window of bringing <laughs> a fucking yeah, in the post nine eleven world, but um, uh, yeah, fuck that review. This movie's awesome. Um, yeah, I th- I thought they did. I thought the nostalgia level was balanced like i said i don't think they winked too much at the audience because some of the things i i i caught and then later when i went and saw some trivia in the background i was like oh shit i had no idea that like um for instance when they're playing like what they're on kids on bikes they're riding their bikes along to ipswich lanes their local hangout the fucking bowling alley and you got the fucking the Bananarama Cruel Summer fucking banger bumping. That's yeah. like a shot from where in um, uh, Karate Kid, Daniel, he, it's in a very similar fashion. He's riding his bike to, I don't know where the fuck he's going, but Bananarama's playing. So it's like, like that's a little, just a little thing that they pulled from that or, or they're, they're paying homage to, but it's kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Um, never seen. You never seen Karate Kid? No. Nope. It's good. I'm not. I'm not one of these people. It's like, oh, it's Karate Kid. You gotta watch it. It's it's fine. Um, yeah, dude. I remember we used to have a, a coworker in the summertime. He's like, put that fucking Banana Rama on. Cruel Summer. It was uh, Ratliff. Oh yeah, he loved that fucking <laughs> song. <too. laughs> He'd start getting down. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Uh, so um, I guess right right out of the gate. I thought it would be fun to like set this up, like how it's like Goonies and all the parallels. So, um, so we have the eighties nostalgia. It's also like, I I got a, like a Disturbia vibe. I don't know if you've ever seen Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. I think it's from like 2008. 
Um, no, he's, he's spying on like a neighbor who's like into some shit. It's so it's, it's definitely got like that kind of vibe to it without, it's not lifting anything wholesale off that, but just kind of a, uh, a, a nod to that, uh, awesome fucking synth soundtrack. Uh, so the Goonie parallel right away, I was like, okay, so you got Davey, he's our main kid. He's like the lead straight man, but he's, he's kind of a dreamer. He's got, he's got a lofty thing similar to, or a plan or something similar to Mikey with the fucking buried treasure and one eyed Willie. Okay. Okay. So then you got Faraday, who's our resident geek, uh, nerd gadget type person. That's data. Um, (laughs) and Faraday is a call out to, I think fair, I can't remember the, I didn't look up the scientist. I think there's a famous scientist called Faraday, something Faraday. There's like a Faraday cage is something that he made. Um, then you have eats obviously his mouth. Uh, I think we talked about the Faraday bag during the Murdoch case, because that's the type of bag you can put a phone in that'll cut Oh yeah. It it does shit to like signal and like has those kinds of properties remote access to the phone uh, so data can be manipulated yeah that that makes sense I knew it was something like that like a Faraday cage or whatever it, it does something to block I think that's the shit they put in like those RFID blockers like those fucking those wallets those hard wallets you can buy now oh, okay. so people can't like fucking hack your shit or like those uh, like card skimmers yeah that kind of shit anyway uh so then we got eats obviously that was the easiest one to jump out that's mouth a fast talker smart ass maybe a broken home situation horn dog i guess that one's not too on the nose but uh with mouth Corey feldman's character but it's like that's the most similar one in their group of four i feel like so far these are all pretty pretty on the nose and then obviously, then you got Woody Chunk. and Chunk. Wow. Yeah. Fat kid, comedic relief, Jolly Giant. They kind of poke fun at him, but he's like a, a solid part of the crew. You've got um, the, older, the older gal, love interest. Yep. The, uh, what's her name? Nikki. The fuck oh. is her name? She's got, she's got a dope name, too, of course. Nikki Kashuba. That's like, I guess there isn't a real. I know, I know like in Goonies, like Mikey's like, just like, I think he likes Carrie. What is her name? Carrie green, the redhead from Goonies. I think he's kind of smitten with her a little bit, but it's not really overt. Oh, you know what? You're right. It was the older brother who was in. Yeah. It was Josh Brolin that that had the hots for her. So that one's not like, doesn't line up perfectly, but this is kind of one of those things in like an eighties, like teenage kind of like, there's like this, like ideal on a pedestal, like cool. She's not only hot, but she's super cool. She's a fucking DJ at the, at the bowling, rolling, bowling alley, roller, roller skater rink. She's super like a badass chick, you know, like she's like the ideal for these kids. They're, they just, all of them are infatuated with her. They drool over. Her. Uh, I think, I feel like that's an eighties trope. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oiling. So it, <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it no more. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, I, that right away. And then obviously too, like the overarching plot, you know, you have like, 
Davey's super into like conspiracy and like his dad's a, a cameraman and and I get I think they even dropped like Nikki like uh used to babysit this kid and like gave her gave him like you know like um the weekly world news or something like started him yeah. off on that path. So he's very like investigative minded. He wants to be like a videographer. Um, and then he, in this time and place, we're in June, 1984 in Ipswich, Oregon. Um, there's been like, I think 13 missing kids. Um, they haven't found. And so that's kind of brewing in the background too. And so he's, he's cognizant of this. So this is his like one-eyed Willie, you know, this is, that's, that's the parallel I saw right there with Goonies. I was like, Oh damn, that's crazy how they, cause it, it's, it doesn't really come at you like this. I noticed this, like this is probably my fourth watch, fifth watch I've seen of this flick. And this time I was like, Oh man, I really like how they, they did that without, uh, like bastardizing it, yeah. you know, or, or like winking too hard at you about it. Because I didn't, I didn't pick up on it at all. And yeah, you could see like an example of something they might do would be like, you and your goony friends need to get out here, you know, like really just put it right in your face, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't use the the yeah. actual fucking word goony, but um, Chester Copperpot. Yeah, and then you got Mackie, who is kind of like the stand-in for the Fratellis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is like, but it's different because he's the end game. He's the treasure. He's not the thing that's pit against the Goonie kids. But I guess I'll get off the the Goonie kick. I just thought that that like like if you frame it up, it's like the, all the archetypes are there. Sure. Yeah, and this kind of kind of thing, and I I I, I like that about this, but. Um, so yeah, we have like there's all these missing kids. Davy's onto it. I'll I will say, I do I I really like this flick a lot, uh, but I do have a couple problems, and I think this time they it really stuck out uh, because I think the first couple of times I watched it, I was just enamored with the aesthetic and like just kind of going along for the ride. This time, the biggest problem that I that I feel like would have elevated this movie to make it like fucking s tier is davy is way too fucking smug and there's mm-hmm. multiple points where he's like winking at the fucking camera and like like it, it totally it would have been a much better movie if he were more strong like um when they when they first like he unveils the plan and he's like okay i think mackie is the cape may slayer he's he's behind all these abductions he's killing kids this and that and he, he gets his crew, his treehouse crew to buy in. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to stake him out. So they start this stake out and they like, they track him on the weekdays and like, this is where he is in the morning, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of that little montage, I think Woody's like, now that we know his schedule, what, what do we do now? And then this part jumped out at me. He fucking like smiles. He looks Davies like real like sure of himself and and like like ego full on he's like we catch this fucker and become heroes i'm like you would not be like that in this situation you'd be shitting bricks like seeing all these little things stacking up to your like like oh fuck he really might be the guy you wouldn't and there's he does this multiple points where i feel like because they're going for realism here this isn't supernatural like this isn't like a a big popcorn movie. I feel like they're going for realism as much as you can in this situation. And those things just like really like 
like how happy he is at these points where it's like, no, it's like, uh, shit's getting, you're getting deeper and deeper into this. You're not, you're not going to be like shooting glances at like the hot chick and smiling and be like, oh yeah, no, we'll be fine. Like he just seems way too sure of himself. And I, I didn't like that this time. And I feel like it would have been a better movie if he wasn't so fucking smug. Did you yeah. pick up on any of that at all? This watch? No, not, not to the point where it bugged me, but I, I think I did go into this with a certain amount of like, corny allowance you know mm -hmm. i was i was sort of expecting a little bit of schlock so mm -hmm. it 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 definitely didn't jump out to to me anyway to a point of like oh come on what are we doing the only part where i was like no fucking way was when uh they tell davy's parents what's going on that mackie's the guy and, and they're like no we're gonna go over there and you're gonna apologize if that's me i'm like no fucking way am i going over there to apologize to guy under any circumstance yeah, i'm telling you more yeah this guy murdered children i'm not yeah, i'm not going should, to sorry yeah they should have put way, way more of a fight to that like <laughs> dude no yeah he was just like okay and they mosey on over there and i i maybe that that's more plot development and like story to like keep it going that they had to do that or they just yeah i i didn't I didn't really buy that either, too. Uh, one of the funny, uh, I meant to make a sound bump of it, but Eats, like his part in the montage when he's staking out, he's like, uh, uh, Mackie gets home. After after Mackie gets home, he has dinner at 8.35 every night, uh, and then he goes on a jog, and then he probably wanks it and cries himself to sleep. Yeah. Loser. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's some funny part. dialogue in there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, They're always bagging uh, on. I know it disturbed Sarah, our first reviewer, that the, the, the R word was used. But there was like some funny, like, that's that's how young teenage boys talk. So. Especially in 1984. Yeah. Like, like dropping that and like, you know, the F word, the other word, you know, like, it's like, and just, and saying like, oh, that's gay and like stuff like this. It's like, that that was part of the time there in this time capsule that we're going over so um yeah so the mac the mackie character right away uh this guy's got something he's got like a look about him and uh what what do you think about this like i mean at the beginning they kind of present it and they're they're you're kind of they're want they're steering you towards him. Did you think that he was going to be a red herring the whole time, or were you more like, "Oh, it's got to be this guy" because they're focusing so much on him, and you're just going to see how it plays out? Yeah, I kind of thought they were going to go the red herring route, as you call it, because they were just they were laying it on so heavy so early, and he just mm -hmm. seemed really creepy, and every interaction he had was bizarre, and then. When he's sitting on the front lawn drinking beer, watching the kids play, that's Dude. that's nuts. <sighs> and then, yeah, when he dials his own house, that was a pretty. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't know if that would be the the final like nail in the coffin of like, okay, there's no way this guy isn't doing it if this, if this is what he's doing. Right. Yeah, I think a, a smart thing that this film. Did, does or did is they don't wrap it up nicely because they could have in like that that late third act i mean they could have stopped it like okay yeah uh they're gonna catch him and then they tie it up you know he was found you know 
hundred miles from the state line and they, and they got him, or they could have put a bow on it right there. But then you're like, Oh fuck, where's this going? You know, like right. show, showing them sleeping in the house. And then you, you see the fucking attic stairs come down super slow and he's coming down. I'm like, Oh fuck. I really liked that. Like that was a great shot. Like probably one of the best parts of the whole, the whole movie. And I was watching it with the misses. And as soon as you saw the thing came down, she had like, the over the top gym. Like, <laughs> oh. oh shit! Yeah, and I mean another good one was when he's looking at Mackie through, or he's looking over at his oh, house. Oh fuck the window! Yeah, Ooh. creepy. And not only that, this time I didn't. I never clocked it before, but this time I did. And he even uh, Dave even says it. So he yeah he's using his binocs and he's like looking over at Mackie's house and shit. And they had just planted like a fucking gi joe radio and taped the the thing down so he so they could have a constant hear the audio so they're trying to eavesdrop on him using a fucking little shitty two-way radio and uh so he's he's looking over at the house and he pans over and then mackie's like fucking right there boom with binox staring right back (laughs) at him yeah and he drops did you notice too like when he goes back up to look a second time Mackie had taken that radio and he puts it right on top. I was of the wondering windowsill. what that was. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of thinking that might be that. Because Davey says it too. He's like, "Fuck!" He gets on his other radios to his treehouse crew and is like, "Dude, I'm fucked." Blah blah blah. He's like, he even put the radio right in the windowsill. He wanted me to see it. I didn't pick that up the first few times oh. I I watched it. He I does. He says that. Like, yeah. Huh. If you go back, he's yeah. So I was like, ew, that's even creepier because he's like, he does, he wants you to fucking know, like I'm on to you guys. And one thing I didn't pick up at all, I this was like through the trivia. It's when um uh when he goes over and talks to Mac, he's like, Oh, hey, sorry, yeah, like uh we were playing manhunt. I, I didn't expect to see you there. He's like, Hey, uh he's like, Yeah, I noticed those radios you guys got are are pretty, you know, uh pretty weak you know like he's like i got some old police radios if you ever want to to use them you can have them he's like they pick up anything and I, the trivia was like this implies that mackie was on to these kids being on to him for way longer than you might think like talking yeah. about everything which is maybe why he was more of a step ahead yeah i'm wondering about them. that too because i mean we would we would mess around with walkie talkies as kids and you would routinely pick up other people, you know, yeah. and they weren't super fancy walkie talkies that had a bunch of different channels you could switch to. It was like yeah. A or B or one or two. And right. we would, we would pick up wild shit and it was awesome. It was like half the fun of having walkie talkies is talk to each other. But yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like this guy's a cop. He could easily be picking up because he sees these kids walkie talkies all the time. So that's interesting. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, back to that, um, the ice cream part though. That part fucking freaks me out. He's just sitting there, uh, sipping a beer. He's like, Hey kids, do you want a freezy pop? Oh, And they all, they're like, yeah. And they all line up and he, and then he stops. He has that cold fucking like thousand yard stare and he like, and they zoom in up on him real creepy. It's like, Hey, that's, 
I don't know if that's just people, what people did in the eighties. Like they'd sit out in their front lawn, but just the fact that he was out there having a beer, just watching these kids play. I mean, you think about that this day and age, be like, Oh, what's, what's that fucking creep doing? And if he wasn't a serial killer, it's like, Oh, he's just, you know, hanging out in his yard, you know, with the kids, you know, watching them and stuff. But I don't know that, that part and the, the music, that weird kind of synth, that droney thing. I was like, Oh fuck, this guy's such a creep, man. Um, have you seen game night? I can't remember if this has come up before. Yeah. I so think like, we talked about it last couple episodes. Okay. Yeah. Creepy neighbor, Jesse Clemens, the cop. I kept yes. thinking about <laughs> it's so good. Uh, man, that, I'm due for a revisit on that. It's but yeah, so he's good. so fu- he's so good. What is, doesn't he have like a cat that he's always got? And he's like, it's like a little it, like dog, m- little rat m- dog, Mister e- Evil style. Yeah, yeah, he's a fucking creep too. <laughs> I know he, he played a creep on Breaking Bad. I, I haven't seen that entire series, but I've seen some snippets of him where he's fucking. Super, super sociopath. Um, uh, so back to this flick, su- Summer of 84. Um, God damn, dude. People are setting up fireworks, like big ass ones, dude. It's crazy. That just fucking freaked me out. Um, yeah, it's not even the 4th of July yet. As, dude, we, pe- as we record. Yeah, people out here, they started probably three or four nights ago, just like some random, like, pop, pop, pop. Last night, there were big ones, like, fucking, boom, like, like, I think it go people, people light them off here until, like, the 12th or 13th, wow. like, like, the, it's, it, it'd be like, is it 4th of July? Like, yeah, it's wild. Out here, they have, like, brick and, like, full-on brick and mortar year-round open phantom fireworks like they have shopping carts and shit like people don't fuck around like when it's legal (laughs) year-round um uh so yeah so the main the the main plot is these kids are specifically davy are zeroed in on this mackie guy who also happens to be a cop and probably a smaller Oregon town. I, I couldn't, I didn't look up if this was a real town or if it was fictitious. Did you look up any of this or like Cape May? Um, I, I like the setting too. Kind of reminded me of like a like coastal little Portland or a, like Oregon town. Um, I kind of like that like aesthetic. Yep. Yeah. Cause they were in Astoria. So yeah, that's another parallel too. Um, and then I see that one of the big things that starts him off too is uh, that this killer who we don't know yet is Mackie pulls a Zodiac and like puts something in to the cops and, you know, claims responsibility. And not only was it 13 kids, but, and two adults. So 15 victims total. And I think in, in the background on the TV, you can hear him say that he, you know, he provided details only that the police were privy to. So they know it's legit. And then, so the police have to come out and say, yeah, we have a serial killer on our hands, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, so then, then they start, you know, they, they stake out Mackie. Uh, I loved that they go into a library. We have a microfiche scene oh, yeah. going through newspapers. I love that shit. Um, and then also that like another through line that, that they play this game. It's 
basically hide and seek with flashlights, but they call it manhunt. So it sounds dope. Um, is this like, I wonder if they made this up for the film or is, is this something that you were familiar with? Did you play this when you were a kid? Uh, we didn't call it manhunt, but yeah, we would have, we would play versions of this type of game, which would, uh, it would either be considered like hide and seek or it was more like it was, it was more similar to capture the flag without actually capturing the flag. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, we would go to uh, a high school in the middle of the night and, like, one group would be sort of in the middle and the other group would have to get from <laughs> one side to the other without getting caught. So, it wasn't really like hide-and-seek or capture the flag, but it was kind of a weird hybrid of that. Hybrid. And we also, I mean, this, the, the library scene definitely took me back because, um, you know, being little shitty kids, we spent a lot of time in cemeteries. For whatever reason, like you could just hop the fence mm-hmm. and walk around at night, and it was like kind of creepy but cool. And I still remember um, there was one particular night we were all hanging out there, probably drinking or whatever, smoking cigs, and we started noticing <laughs> in this particular cemetery a lot of the headstones had these weird symbols on them, which we later found out were Freemason symbols. And so oh, okay. it was like the first time as young teenagers, we discovered what that was. And we're like, what the fuck are, is this like weird compass and ruler and the eye? Mm-hmm. And then once you, once you notice it, you start to see it everywhere. And mm-hmm. so we literally had a library that was down the street from that cemetery. And we went there and we're like, what the fuck? It was like the first real sort of <laughs> entree Getting into, into that- like illuminati and like like uh the priory of scion and all that kind of shit yeah it was weird like the first time you ever come come across something like that and you're yeah. researching it at the library it's like, this is so bizarre and <laughs> yeah it was fun though. i like how yeah I, I like how they in this too they kind of show like during that time it probably seems like fucking a hundred years ago but what like when they were looking up like um like when the, uh, Woody notices when they, they see uh, his storage unit and he's like, I saw that they had these bags of, it was like N-A-O-H. And then the nerd's like, it's not Noah, it's fucking side, what is it? Sodium hydroxide? So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, sodium hydroxide. And then they go and he, he's, he's like, what the fuck is that? And then they have to pull out a world book, you know, like encyclopedia, and they break it down and they look at it and they see, oh, shit, it's like used to like mask the, the odor of like decaying, decomposing bodies and and it breaks down flesh and all this shit. Like, I really like that part. Um, like just showing kind of like how analog things were. Um yeah, that's crazy. I I remember when I was a kid, I I always I liked that aesthetic, like, you know, thinking about like punks just like trying to like do something to kind of skeeve you out a little bit, going through like a, a cemetery sounds like a lot of fun at that age. But there used to be there was this old um it where I grew up in Turlock, there was this old uh hospital. They had built a new one, but the old ones still remain. It had like asbestos in it and fucking bombs and like yeah. crazy shit. It was called Emanuel Hospital and this was old Emanuel. So every once in a while we'd get up the gumption. We we wouldn't go without someone's older brother. 
like yeah. oh daniel he's been there before you know he would be like our fucking spirit guide like our shaman and he'd, he'd bring, bring like a big buoy knife you know and we'd have like a backpack of mag lights and like we'd just go in and like look around and you hear other stories and like they kind of turn into like urban legend like oh this kid fucking like a bum jumped out at him and like you know that kind of stuff uh but then we also played a game similar to manhunt it was I don't know. We called it uh, bloody murder. And so it's kind of like that hybrid, like uh, get from one side to the other or capture the flag. And you had flashlights. I had a buddy that lived out in the country and he had this huge spread and all kinds of like different, like uh, structures and trees. And like, like it was like a, basically it turned into an obstacle course for us. And you had to hunt down the other people and the, the the goal was to try to come up on them and you just scream as loud as you could and try to freak the fuck out of them. So it's like scream bloody murder. So yeah, dude, I fuck. I remember being like 14 and that being like, like fucking so cool. You stay up to like two in the morning, you know? And like, like, so the, the manhunt in this definitely gave me a huge nostalgia rush too. I really like that. Or like uh, the part where they're trying to come up on Mackie and trying to eavesdrop and that one little shit finds Woody who's propping up Davey up there and he's like, I got you, you big titty butthole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woody's like, he's like, no, I was on timeout. Get the fuck out of here before I bound you. <laughs> like, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, oh, another line Woody says to... Uh, uh, he's like, fuck, if there's dead bodies in here, I'm totally going to shit my Calvins. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, wait, what the fuck are Calvins? I was like, oh, Calvin Klein underwear. I'm going to shit my pants. Okay. Um, yeah, that was funny. Oh, Did another you- cause. So homage real quick to uh, Star Wars. Woody says, I've got a bad feeling about this around like the halfway point when they're going into their friend Sammy's house, who they think is like has been abducted. Oh, yeah. And it turns out they they went to their lake house, but they're like, why is their car still here? And I guess they had an RV or something that they borrowed, but they thought for sure. That one had a good, a couple of jump scares that I really liked when they went in there. And I can't remember what the first one was. When the second one. When her hand comes around. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Those two got me (laughs) real good. Uh. Were you going to say something before I I got a bad feeling about this? Oh, I was going to ask you. I'm sure you saw it was the only piece of trivia that I wrote down. But, um, shit, I just lost it. So when Woody steals his mom's car, one of the other kids is like, you'll be fine. You look 30. Yeah. (laughs) Motherfucker was like 25. Yeah. He was 25 (laughs) in real life. So they were taking a little jab at him dude i yeah, i would not have guessed that yeah that's like and i'm 25 dickhead and that's a shot when i saw that i was like that's so weird because i buy this kid dead to rights just being a huge 15 16 year old yeah like that's crazy i guess it's just like the the baby face you know on him like all these kids I totally bought. I didn't look up the other ages. I think the other kids are closer yes. to that. But yeah. um yeah, that one jumped out. I was like, dude, he is fucking 30. Jesus Christ. Uh I like to like uh I guess it makes sense because I, I feel like if I, I would be the Woody in that kind of friend group, 
Um, and I, for each of them, I feel like they maybe, maybe Faraday is like the least developed, but I feel like you get a good idea of who each of these kids are and you get a little sliver, like with Woody, like you can see his mom is like a nurse or something. She's worked to the bone and like, she's got a bottle of booze on the table and she comes home from like, I think he says she was on another like 36 hour shift and she goes to sleep on the couch and he fucking has a tender moment where he like covers her up and says, I love you mom. And like, you can see on his face, like it's like wearing on him that he's got to like almost take care of help, take care of his mom. Looks like there's no dad in the picture. And then eats comes from a broken home. He talks about, you know, like his parents fighting all this and that his dad wants to tear down their treehouse he's got a fucking asshole 20 year old older brother who they like slip in and he calls him a fag he's like he's like well you need a ride to the bus stop or something and he flips him off and he peels out so uh and then davy you see like his interactions he's kind of like left to his own devices um i i I feel like they did with with such a short runtime uh i feel like you got a good idea of who each of these kids kind of were um, and they weren't just cardboard cutouts. So yeah, I think the film did a good job with that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I guess getting and earlier in this flick too, um, that build, there's a bunch of things that start adding up for Davey, but one too, that we didn't talk about is, um, pretty early on. Davy notices a kid inside Mackie's house and he's got like a distinctive like MTV, like an old school MTV t-shirt on. And he notices him inside Mackie's house, helping him do something later on. It comes back around when he's fucking eating this PB and J his dainty ass PB and J. I was like, Jesus Christ, put some peanut butter on that fucking thing. Yeah. That irritated the shit out of me. It's like, if you're going to have PB and J, you got to go fucking big extra jelly. Yes, that was discussed in our house as well. I feel like it, <laughs> it, it needed more peanut butter and jelly. And yeah. yeah. And he didn't dip it into his milk, but I'm not a I'm not a milk guy. Milk and people. See, I found out the hard way later on. I thought that was like a shared experience. I think I shared this with a bunch of you guys. I used to put um I used to do PB and J's on sourdough and I would dip it into i'd have to have a full ass ice ice cold glass of milk and i would dip every bite and eat it that way kind of like milk and cookies and you guys were all like no people don't do that you're you're weird uh yeah i mean you're weird for other reasons but yeah so uh pb and j (laughs) on sourdough i would allow if the sourdough was toasted if it's cold then i don't yeah i i can't abide that sorry (laughs) sorry See, I grew up in a household where my mom was like, when it came to bread, it was like sourdough or nothing. So I had, it was like, I had to do what I, what I had to do to have a PB and J, you know? So, yeah. and I had, it just, that was all I had ever eaten. So I didn't really think two ways about it, but yeah, Davey definitely is eating the weakest PB and J I've ever seen. But he, when he has his milk, he's, you see the, the kid that he saw earlier is like Dusty DeWitt. And he's got a distinctive kind of like 80s fro thing going on. And he's on the, uh, like the kids on the milk carton thing that used to be a big, like that, that jumped out to me too. Like, whoa, like they used to, 
Like that's how analog things were. They'd be like, have you seen this child or missing, you know, and they'd be on the back of the fucking milk carton. I think there's some kind of a story about that too. Like, like how that originated. But anyway, uh, but like starting to put that shit on milk cartons because everyone was around the table and like, that's something that's kind of gone away too. Like when you having breakfast in the morning, but yeah, he notices that. He's a kid in New York. I think that was the first one they put on milk carton, but I know I know you're familiar with the Johnny Gosh. Case. Oh yeah, this kind mm-hmm. of made me think of that. I don't know if it's because it's that same time frame or or if there's a milk carton angle to that too. But yeah, that came to mind, and then my second thought was, I bet you, I bet you, Jim is thinking the same thing. Oh yeah, dude, that Johnny Gosh case. If no one's heard it. You can seek it out anywhere, but I implore you to check that out. That that shit, because it's not just about a missing kid. It starts going into like a deep Network. rabbit hole of yeah, yeah, crazy shit. The the whole Boys Town thing and and Larry King in Nebraska, and then how it it kind of spirals from there. And like it reminded me too, like the police cover up, uh, kind of similar to the Karen Reed. Like yeah. how there's so much connection and like like the seemingly like lack of giving a fuck all the way up to like the police chief is doing weird shit. Like, yeah, that's one that I was like, Whoa, that's fucking pretty intense dude. Quick side tangent, but related to that, I just saw something and I don't know. It's hard to judge on like Instagram and shit that comes up. But, um, I saw that Mel Gibson is planning or he's, he's working on right now to release a documentary exposing a, giant like hollywood sex trafficking ring and it's gonna be like this big thing i don't know if it's just like one of these scam like promoted like uh like more it's it's more like an ad than an actual post or like a real type thing but um that one definitely raised an eyebrow too just because of it, it reminded me of like the subject matter kind of like what we're talking about and then thinking about johnny gosh and and how that gets connected to to a bunch of different things. And I feel like in the last five years you've seen, you've, yeah, you've seen more things and about Hollywood specifically to kind of come out. That's uh, a little disconcerting. Yeah. If you would have brought that up five years ago, I think most people would have laughed you out of the room, but Mm -hmm. some of the things that have come to light over the last few years, I think most people would have to listen. You know, it's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. And, yeah, and, and I mean, craziest- I feel like Scientology is getting a lot of play right now. It's like, you know, they're not the only game in town, you know, that has like a lot of power and the ability to, uh, you know, cover things up and, and have some like nefarious shit going on in the background. So, yeah, these these underground criminal networks exist everywhere, unfortunately. And, and the, the yeah. craziest part of the Johnny Gosh story to me when his mom reported that he came back to visit her as an adult, yeah. like 20 years later, and people mm-hmm. don't believe her. And yeah, that, that was just the final, like icing on the cake. This is the craziest story ever. Yeah. That, that part too, it, I'm kind of torn on that myself. Yeah. Same here. But, Cause it, it just seems so odd, but She's been adamant like the whole fucking time and been, you know, and I know there's a, a weird dynamic between her and her husband too. Like I want to get into a Johnny, Johnny gosh rabbit hole, but 
even like the uh the Paul Bonassi character and I think there's another gal how they just got their whole lives were it seemed like they just got trampled over and they were just trying to tell the truth, you know, and like trying to like what angle do they have in all this to get yeah. Anyway. I mean how that'd be a fun one to look at. How could the loss of your kid not psychologically break you? So who knows? Yeah. Um sorry for the (laughs) derailment. No, I mean it I it it's it ties into to the flick too. It's it's got it's got some some overtones in it for sure that made me think of that as well. But uh, I think this kind of loops us back into uh, the the crew. They they start getting more and more. They're like getting into like Mackie's house and this and that. And then it finally comes to a head with the he has to break it out and and tell his parents what's going on. Then he has to go apologize. And then it spirals from there. Um, And then the, and then when Davey really knows something's fucked up is when uh, he asks Mackie, um, what's he say? He's like, Oh yeah. You offered the other day to call your nephew. Cause he's, he's like, I saw this kid in your house. He's like, Oh, that was my nephew. Jamie he was helping me, you know, with this or that. And he's like, he's like, I'll call him right now. If you want, we could just take care of this, put this thing to bed right here and now. And then, so when he comes back over later to Davy's house, he's like, yeah, you remember when you said that you want to do that right now? And that's when he figures out, cause he calls the operator after he leaves and he's like, and he writes down the number and he called his own house. He's yeah. like, Oh yeah, he's not there. You know, it's like, Oh fuck dude. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, before I forget, there's a couple other little wink and nods, uh, like, uh, 80s nostalgia homage when they're hanging up in the treehouse, kind of maybe midway through the uh, the flick. Faraday swipes a bottle of his old man's uh, whiskey, and they're up there and they're kind of talking shop about what their what their next move is. Yeah, did I don't know if you caught this, but and it's very quick. I had to pause it and rewind a couple times because I was like, you know, in movies when they put like fictitious or fake. Um, like products and shit or they'll you know like in like uh pulp fiction they have the cigarettes and it's like you know red apples give me a pack of red apples Uh and this i noticed i was like what does that say and it says mccready's whiskey so that is a nod to john carpenter's 1982 film the thing with kurt russell his name's rj mccready in the thing so that this is a fake whiskey so they put mccready's whiskey as a nod to 1982 is the thing, which I thought was, was so cool. I, I've never seen it, but our buddy Josh, awesome. our buddy Josh, almost every time that we play golf together or I see him, he, he brings it up that I need to watch it. So maybe we should the put thing that is, on our, our Halloween list or list. that would be a good one. I mean, he's got a lot. Carpenter's got a lot of good ones that would, would tie in perfectly for the Halloween season. Yeah. If you haven't seen The Thing, it's not a deep cut or anything. It actually was critically panned when it came out. It's one of these films that later on has gotten like more attention. And like it's – it's. I think with most horror hounds, a lot of people put it as their number one or at least in their top five. Oh, like it's right. it's a it's a heavy hitter, man. And it, it really is it's, – it's, it's great. I think 
the reason it got overlooked at the time, there's a ton of factors we can get into it, but it's just one of those things like it kind of got glossed over. And I think it was part of the time too, with like the satanic panic and, and all that kind of shit in the eighties. And like, it, it's like, this is a glorification of like gore and like murder and, and all this, like it's demonic shit like this. And it's like, no, he's just trying to make a fucking creepy oh. creature fucking movie, you know, yeah. that was rad and it got kind of trampled on. But, um, also in that film too, like whiskey plays a prominent role. Cause, uh, McCready, I think he, he drinks J and B scotch whiskey kind of throughout the movie and then there's an iconic scene at the end of that movie where he's drinking some whiskey with um uh keith david uh oh yeah who plays yeah. childs who's awesome the fucking dude and uh he's he's in a bunch of carpenter flicks yeah. too but uh the frank over the beans the stepdad oh in, yeah uh, yep. i know yeah oh well he yeah he's awesome yeah we should do the thing that 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 would be a good one perfect for halloween time um so yeah, I thought that was kind of a fun one uh, that they kind of pay homage. They did the Star Wars. They got a bad feeling about this. They kind of just you blink and you miss it. Um, so oh okay, so that brings us to uh, the next day after Davy's gotten in trouble by his parents and shit. There, it's announced. You know, um, they've they've captured. They've found the Cape May Slayer. Um, and the we'd like the arresting officer to come up and 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 it's Mackie, and it's like oh okay how convenient is this? So it's it's just another it's like fifty things that have all added up for the true believer Davy this whole time. Like, yeah. like his friends are kind of lagging on him; they're kind of wavering a little bit, and he's like okay, and it, it all kind of coincides with this Cape May Day parade thing. Um, that was kind of off off on again because of all these, you know, kids going missing and dude, I guess we should back up just to one scene. Um, the actual, where it shows the abduction of that one kid. I don't know if I can't remember what his name is. I don't know if they, they state his name, but they show an actual, um, the Cape May Slayer abduct a kid. You know what I'm talking about in the alley. Yeah. Uh-huh. about midway through yep. I, that was another scene that really got me too. like very creepy, very unsettling. Like they really captured like with the fog and late at night, this kid, like going home, like the sense of like tension. Did this one get you guys too? Um, not as much, but yeah, it was, it was a good one for sure. Yeah. I like that. Cause I mean, that's really, until we get to the end, that's really the only uh, time where you see someone in peril or like like a that they're throwing you a bone, they're giving you an example of of someone actually being abducted or something happening to them outside of just like conjecture and these guys going off of going along with Davy's plan. Um, so all of them that they're all been in trouble by their parents and shit for falsely accusing Mackie. Now the Slayer's been caught. Everyone's all happy again. They're going to the 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 Cape May day parade or whatever. And Davey's like, okay, this is my last chance. You guys believe me, just be my lookouts. I'm going to go into his fucking house. I'm going to go into his basement, into his dark room or whatever. The room that has a fucking lock on it. That's super weird that they, they set up at the very beginning and I'm going to find out. Um, of course, Nikki shows up like, I'm going with you, you know? And, and so he swipes his dad's cause he's the cameraman for 
the local news station. He's like, I'm going to fucking go in there. I'm going to get evidence, blah, blah, blah. I really like this like setup. Like it, it was kind of slow, but I feel like it was deserved. Like it pays off. What yeah. do you think of this whole kind of like this, this not the final act, but like the penultimate act where, where they fucking go down in his basement. Yeah. I like the, the slow build for sure. Especially given the payoff at the end. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, even though it seemed so obvious that it was Mackie, I was still kind of waiting for some bizarre alternative explanation that it really would have bummed me out if they're like, oh, actually, it's Davy's dad who, you know, yeah. is framing Mackie or whatever. Like, God, please don't let it be something so bananas. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like how it 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 took its time to get there because I feel like the payoff, like when you when even when they go down into that room and they start seeing like the pictures, like the Polaroids on the wall, and it's like you know like a frightened face, and it's like all these ranges of emotion, and then they pan, and then they see like the, it's like a this kind of it it's not an '80s film, but it reminded me of uh, Silence. Have you ever seen Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. With yep. Jodie Foster, the very end when she's at Jane Gum's house and there's that fucking bathtub of that like decomposing fucking body that that kind of reminded me of this. And they pan and the girl fucking screams. It's like like half the face is like corroded and eaten through. And then you get a cool jump scare here from the, the kid who's like bound under like yeah. a, a bed or something, grabs the ankle and you're like, oh, fuck. He's like, help, you know, and like. Well, and there's there's that then, moment where they break into the room and it just looks like a kid's bedroom. And they're like, "What are you, yeah. what are you doing? Like, this isn't this isn't what you think it is." And then they see the other door, like, "Oh fuck!" Actually, yes, it's exactly what we thought it was. Yeah, yeah, I I really liked all of this. And then they so then they go to straight to the police station. They show them the video. Obviously, they have this like malnourished, fucked up person too that they have just rescued and then uh so then they take off they descend on Mackie's house he's not there um and then you know the dad apologizes to Davey's like you're you are a real hero and like you know I'm sorry I didn't believe in you or I didn't trust you and all this shit and it could have ended bam right there and then that like my very first watch it cut because it cuts to black you know I was like okay credits roll I was like oh that was fun and then, but no, then you like wake up and you see the clock. It's like 1230 at night. And then it's showing Davey's sleeping. Woody's come over. He's he's sleeping over. He's on the floor. And this is when you get that iconic fucking, like it's one of those old school. It's like on the second story, one of those attic, like the ladders that comes down and it comes down super slow, like a fucking ninja coming down. And then the second row of stairs and then the, the soft steps and sure shit it's Mackie. Um, and then he chloroforms him. I think this isn't, this is a gripe. A lot of people have about this is like the logistics of getting these kids out after he's, so he's been hiding in the attic after he's been found out and he's like, okay, I'm just going to kill these kids or I'm going to exact my revenge. Um, how the fuck are you getting Woody out? of this house, even if he's chloroformed, I guess Mackie's kind of a larger dude, uh, but he's not 
Arnold, like how the fuck is he getting him without waking anyone else up? And Uh, it's only midnight. Well, I mean, he has the benefit of being upstairs rather than downstairs pulling him up. So if he does knock him out, because it doesn't show him knocking Woody out. So he could have taken the first kid down and then he could have put a knife to this guy and was like, let's go. And then knock him out when he's like cruiser. Yeah, he could have like maybe duct taped his mouth at knife point or something. And okay. Yeah, it's. it's I just feel like the audio, like the sound component, like keeping all that quiet would be not only incredibly hard to do, but you'd have to get really like be fortunate and lucky, like hope like these parents are really heavy sleepers, which may be the case because they think everything's behind them now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I maybe I'm just looking at this like armchair quarterback, but if all this shit came out and now this guy's missing, I feel like I wouldn't be sleeping super soundly. No, not at all. At all. I feel no. like uh, we're going to like stay up and drink coffee and fucking like – Or go to hotel talk about ask, this. Has to have a cop to come like stand outside your door. Yeah. Like especially with all that Davey knows and knows that like he, he's got to be on to you and in one way or another. Like yeah, I feel like that's a little unrealistic too. Or yeah, like, let's get the fuck out of Dodge for a few days or but anyway. So then yeah, this is the like the unexpected, like it takes this crazy turn and, and then all of a sudden well, they wake up. Get there, can I read bad review number two? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we kinda we skipped that halfway through because we're, we're right. towards the home stretch here. Num- number three is my favorite, but number two is, is very good also. Uh, so this is from Paul. Paul D. He also gave it one out of five stars. And the title of his review is, Why Did I Pay a Dollar for This? Gross. And his review is, Worst movie I've watched in some time. Honestly, not worth the $1 I paid. Not scary. Excessive penis and masturbation jokes. And not very 80s-ish. Sure, they make a bunch of 80s references, but most feel tacked on and forced. For as bad as the script and plot are, kudos to the teenagers acting in Despite the awful script, they managed to come off as believable. Based on inflation, a dollar today would have been 41 cents in 1984. Even that would have still been too much for this movie. <laughs> Go fuck, Paul. Yeah, that's... He's, he's just wrong about a few things there, but... I get opinion, but... I really like the plot. Like I've, I'm beating a dead horse here, but I I feel like they paid homage and like without being right on the nose about stuff. I feel like it captured '80s pretty well. Uh, I mean, I wasn't there. I was I was born in '85, so um, I don't have the firsthand experience, but it felt pretty. I mean, they even show them. They do the microfiche. They they bust out a world book. You know, like feels very analog. Uh, I think I agree all the kids too. I think they all did a great job with besides my, there's a couple gripes I have with Davey the way he played it, but um, like just being a smug fucking asshole, like way too like sure, sure of himself, especially as we go, go farther down the rabbit hole. I feel like that's not the emotion you would be having. It would be more like tense, more anxiety, like, 
should have been the vibe uh, that he's giving off. But yeah, you're gr- who gives a fuck about a dollar? And where did he rent this for a dollar? I think Amazon. Every rental is like three ninety nine <laughs> from Amazon and fucking YouTube. So, fuck well, you. maybe he had a coupon. <laughs> coupon. Yeah, and what the the correlation between forty one cents like an inflation? It's like, where do you get off? Is that was that an IMDb special or is this an Amazon? That was an Amazon. Are you you sticking these days purely to the the Amazon? No, not purely, hellscape? but it's just a a treasure trove of really really dumb people leaving reviews. So. <laughs> uh, um, do you want to hit us with the third one right now, or do you want to wait till we get to the very uh, the very no, very I'll, end? I'll wait. I'll wait till the end. I think you're gonna okay. like it. So. Cut to after Davy's been chloroformed and maybe Woody. Either way, they're in the back of Mackie's cop car. That's the other thing, too. How's he getting out of there in his fucking cop car? Maybe he blends in. I don't know. Anyway, uh, suspension of disbelief for that, I guess. They wake up, and it turns out this is like some kind of like dumping ground for him. And, uh, they get out and like he's screaming at him. He's like, "We're gonna play manhunt for real this time." And like, I think Davy like rolls his fucking ankle, super nasty. And they're trying to run away. Like, so now it turns into like a little cat and mouse game. Like Mackie's well, trying to have some he fun. He cuts his he cuts his Achilles at one. Point. Oh fuck, that's right. That's what he does. Which is yeah, dude. Is that's brutal. Brutal injury. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen. Have you ever seen Hostel? No. There's an iconic scene that's really fucking hard to watch of a dude getting his Achilles sliced and it's very like medical. Like it's like they zoom in on the fucking thing and like you see this guy try to get up and you see like ligaments like fucking pulling and ugh, yeah. Reminding me of that too. Um which that's just a fucking that's a brutal gore porn movie, but uh so yeah, then they're they they're on the run they're out it looks like you know you picture like coastal like forested like off the highway somewhere in oregon washington um and then there's a part where they like tumble down like this ravine kind of thing and you see all these like decomposing like fucked up bodies and like arms sticking out and shit which that was pretty fucking gnarly and then so they freak out and i don't know they they kind of run around for a bit and then it it uh crescendos into well um, they they discover that or they think anyway that they're on an island so there's only one way in and one way out so i think that's when they decide to split up and he's like hey fatty you run that way to go get the cruiser i'll distract him over here and that's when he gets his achilles cut and then fatty gets uh not quite form tackled but like he gets a forearm shiver and taken down. Yeah, that's I did right. like that part when he just bodies this <laughs> 300 pound, 25 year old kid. No problem. Playing a 16 year old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then something I really did not fucking expect this, but uh, then they, they, they both get up to like the, where the cop car is and Mackie jumps up and he gets right behind our boy Woody, who gets fucking his throat slit unceremoniously. 
I think even before that too, he says something too that I was like, God damn. He's like, he's like, I can't die, Davey. I, my mom needs me, you know? Yeah. And then like right after that, he gets his fucking throat slit. <laughs> and then I think yes, a really can, good guy. piece. Of, yeah. And you, you will, uh, the, the guy playing Mackie, rich summer was this part was really good piece of acting. I felt like when he, he breaks down to Davey right after he kills Woody. And he's like, yeah, he's screaming in his face. Like you took my life from me. All you had to do is just fuck off and let me do my thing. And then how he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I want to kill you so bad, but that's too good for you. You're going to live with like me, like thinking I'm right over your shoulder and all this stuff. And yeah. what do you think about this scene? Uh, I liked it. I like that it didn't have like a happy yeah. ending really. Um, I was surprised. So. Yeah. But, I didn't see this kind of thing coming at all. No, I was expecting some cutesy little, you know, Oh, maybe their friends showed up and home alone. Like him and the Nikki character comes yeah. back and fucking saves the day. Like deus ex machina fucking just like, yeah, that don't, that don't play here. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty brutal. Like the shit that he says to this kid, like who's somewhere between 14 and 16, I kept trying to think, like, put myself in that kid's shoes, like the guilt of getting your friend killed. Yeah. And then having crazy serial killer man out there and he's got a fucking, he's, he's probably the only thing this guy's going to think about for however many years when he decides to come barring him, not getting caught or anything yeah, or, or dying a natural causes. You're always going to have that in the back of your mind now. Like, God, that's fucking brutal. Well, and one of the things he said that really stuck with me was he's like every day, uh, some, something to the effect of like every day of your life, you're going to be looking for me. And one day you're going to be right. Right. Yeah. That's some yeah, dark that's, shit. And he's doing all this like nose to nose to this kid. And it's like, and you also have the taillights of the car are on. I don't know if he's got like the e-breakdown or something, but like you have the, there's like this red glow, like just behind them too. So it just, it's a very sinister kind of like really f- like dark scene when he's like, well, yeah, I mean, laying this out. You can't go home. You know, he's, he knows where you live, your family lives. Yeah, and then it just closes with him like back on his paper route. I also like too that they didn't wrap it up with the friends. It seems like they're no longer friends anymore. Like they're they're kind of doing their own thing. They're all super damaged, like fucked up kids now. They're not going to go back to playing manhunt and like, yeah, w- remember when Woody died last year by the serial killer? It, to me, I, that felt very real. Like he rides by and he sees Eats and Faraday. Like they they talked about. You know, my dad wants us to fucking, you know, he wants to tear this fucking treehouse down. And then you see at the end, like they're carrying out board by board from the backyard and like throwing it in the front yard. So like, and he, he kind of glances up at him, Davey on his paper out and doesn't say anything. He's like, Ooh, and he fucking keeps riding. And then he has like this monologue going on, like about, you know, even serial killers live next to somebody and all this shit. Like, well, and I didn't, I didn't pick up on the, the, uh, treehouse lumber in the front yard i i asked the, the old lady i was like what the fuck are they moving and she's like it's the treehouse like, oh, shit yeah but 
to uh, push back on what you're saying, I think those dudes probably felt worse than Davy did because they're the ones who turned their walkie-talkies off and they decided like, That's oh, true. no, this is no big deal. So if anything, they should have felt more guilt. Than That's Davey. a good point. Yeah. Cause they, so maybe it's not just like they're, I took it as like, oh, you know, yeah, fuck Davey. Like he got us into all this shit. He got our, our good friend Woody fucking murdered this and that. But yeah, they, they turned, they didn't believe him till the very end either. You know, like they, they believed in him up to a point, but they didn't fully trust in him. And maybe, and if they did, you know, maybe things would have turned out differently. So yeah. Yeah. No one, no one gets out clean in this one, which I feel like, especially the stuff that they're pulling from like Goonies, stranger things like this kind of stuff, it would have been very easy just to fucking like, yeah, let's wrap it up and make it like happy. But it's like, no, this dude gets his throat slit. Their shit's like, they're not friends anymore. It seems like, and this kid's got to go through the rest of his life. Like yeah. thinking like it's today, the day, you know, like, yeah, that guy gets away. Love interest moves away. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, how do you like go and and seeing that dude's like this guy was right across the street from him, and there's like police tape up and shit, and like every time you look at that house, so, like you're gonna think about like the horrific images and shit, and like all the how he was even creepy enough too to have like the all the like the portraits and the pictures of all the families and the kids that he had killed were up in his fucking house. Like he's displaying them. Like, dude, that that's another level of creep factor too. Um, Yeah. That was a really cool part where they're like flashing back to the newspaper article and and the pictures. And then to the shit on the wall, like, like, Oh, (laughs) fucking sick. Fuck. He's displaying the shit openly in his house. Like, goddamn. Um, piece of trivia I, th- I thought was interesting. I guess they, they were going for like an amalgamation of serial killers represented by Mackie. So one is, uh, Ted Bundy drove a bug, his like throwaway car that he keep Mackie keeps in a storage unit. Is that fucking like uh-huh. candy apple green bug? Yeah. Um, gotta be easy. It's gotta be Gacy. Gacy, Gacy's the biggest influence they said. And then, but there's one more too. Let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, He has a uh, police background, just like that of the real life golden state killer, uh, the Volkswagen Beetle, and then the most overlap is Mackie's modus operandi as it parallels that of John Wayne Gacy. Um, and then someone pointed this out too that I, I didn't think about. It's pretty specific, but it says at one point Mackie tells to Davey that when his father moved into the neighborhood 15 years ago, he helped him to move stuff up into the attic. And at the end of the ma- movie, that's where Mackie hides. So he has wow. like... Huh. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think like, you know, he, that was his first thought or like he has intimate knowledge of how to access the attic and like what's up there generally, I guess. But yeah, um, that's not something I thought about either. Uh, someone else said that, that Mackie also res- resembles, I don't know if you're familiar with Dean Coral, uh, serial killer who murdered 28 boys and young men in, in Houston, Texas area between 1970 and 1973. 
Uh, Coral is known to give out candy to local ch- children. A so- similar moment occurs in the film when uh, Mackie's freezy pop scene. So they kind of winked at that a little bit too. Um, no, I'm not familiar with this guy. But... Yeah, there. I he's he's not a name that you hear of like like Brutus and like John Wayne Gacy and uh Bundy and all these kinds of guy or like the East Area rapist but uh yeah Dean Coral's got there there's a lot of pods out there that oh, have done no. stuff on him fun synchronicity Dean Coral born in your current town Oh really? Yep. Damn. That's pretty creepy. I didn't know that. The only thing in this area that I was privy to, what, what was that one? I think it just got, um, the guy just got tried. Do you know what that one was in Indiana? <clears throat> Are you referring like to the, uh, the Delphi murders? Yes. Richard Allen. I think that's his name. Uh, he has not gone to trial yet. Oh, okay. But the, uh, the state just released what's that everything points to him like like pretty clear cut well it's the recent evidence that came out well the very recent evidence yeah but originally um all they had was an interview that he did with the fbi at the time where he said he was he was in the area of the bridge where the the two girls abby and libby i think are where they were found killed but then his interview was mislabeled by the fbi so they they didn't find it until years later where they were like oh shit this guy was near the area and whatever so when they arrested the guy his only link to the to the crime scene was that going back to what we've talked about a million times um forensic tool mark examination they found a a uh spent but unfired cartridge at the crime scene that they said matched his gun it it hadn't been fired from it but they said it matched being cycled through which is total horseshit fake science not real um but apparently the recent stuff that just came out was they uh i don't know if you know this if you're in jail but they record all your fucking phone calls, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they just released court documents that say he confessed to his wife that he killed both the girls uh, no less than five separate times over the phone. So, yeah. And they just missed it? No, since he's been in jail. Oh, okay. So he's fucked, it sounds like. But yeah, we'll Damn. see. Yeah, so that yeah, that case went great. unsolved for five years because they missed his interview where he said, like, yeah, I was at the bridge, and uh, yeah, I own a jacket that looks like that. And, uh, yeah. That's crazy. I, yeah. Well, that's the just FBI like pure, for you. Pure, pure happenstance just enabled this fucking, yeah, that sucks. That That's what it takes sometimes. Because then you think how how many other things have been mislabeled or, you know, there's so many like the chain of custody for like evidence and shit, like how, like just one thing gets misplaced or goes a, a different way, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, just a quick little preview for anybody who's interested in the Idaho Ford murder trial of Brian Koberger. Um, that's not quite as open and shut as people thought at the very beginning. And I think some of that has to do with the FBI fucking the dog. Like, like mismanagement? Damn. So That's crazy. Yeah, the brief little bit I saw about it on a dateline like a while back, it 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 made it look pretty sure pretty open and shut to me, but yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it looked to me too when they first released like the uh, probable cause affidavit to arrest him. But mm-hmm. but the the implication was like, hey, this is this is what we need to arrest the guy, but we're gonna find a ton more stuff once we arrest him and, and look at his shit. And now mm-hmm. it's like we haven't really found anything else. So, damn, it's going to be interesting. And they're going for the death penalty, so that makes it that adds another little wrinkle. So, right, yeah, yeah. I remember you you talking about like the the difference between like the dynamic at trial and like your the level that you have to take it to in order to secure the death penalty versus, you know, I mean, it just, one, it just raises, life, life and parole. Yeah. It, it raises the stakes quite a bit. So, anyway, not to, right not on. to derail it once again, but, uh, I think, uh, I think we got it for, uh, do you want to hit us with our, are we waiting on a third yeah, and final? I got, I got one more review. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is from Kyle. Kyle sucks. One out of five stars. The, the title of this review is Crappy Movie for Hollywood Perverts and Children. Kind of circling back to what we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. All right. So his review says, Vulgar garbage, mostly filled with horny, peeping Tom kids who are somehow supposed to be more clever than the police department while repeatedly being bossed around and dominated by the neighborhood slut. I could overlook the per... <laughs> I could overlook the pervasive in-your-face leftism if it had a good plot, but the story sucks, too. <laughs> That's so dumb. I mean, they're even promoting, like, the dad's, like, he's got, like, he's all about Reagan. It's like Reagan Bush you see prominently in a yard. And, like, he's like, yeah, you're screwed, man. This Cold War's never going to end. Like, no. yeah, I didn't catch any of that. Kyle's just I will I will say the Nikki character, uh, I, I feel like I sh- she was fine, but th- there were a lot of scenes that felt like really artificial. Yeah, with I, would, her. I agree. Like they were, yeah. Like they were trying to like push her as like maybe her not like being into Davey, but liking him and thinking he's a good kid and like. I don't know, like the way she went about it, like when she just walks into his fucking house like grabs a Coke and like, you know, like that, that whole thing was weird. And the age difference too. I was like, used to babysit this kid, but like, I'm curious about like how close they are in age. That kind of threw me off a little bit too, but those are kind of minor. Do you remember the part where, uh, so he's 15 and one of his friends is like, she babysits you. And he's like, not for like three years or something. Yeah. And my thought was like, you get, you had a babysitter at 12 yeah, or 11 or 10. Yeah. I can't remember the last babysitter I had. I had to have been like first or second grade maybe. So I think that's like, 
seven ish, seven or eight. But yeah, that kind of the age and the time I was a little nice. uncertain about, but cool. So yeah, this is a solid like uh, for old Steve Dog. What's yeah. that put us at here? I liked it a lot. Sweet. Yeah, I think we're our, with our last flick. We had got up to an eighty-seven flat, and then that brings us to eighty-seven point two. Wow! Yep, sweet. Uh, okay, uh, so next week I think loosely we're going to talk about the the Titanic conspiracy. Is that what we're running with? Uh, yes, I think so. And there's actually several conspiracies that need to be discussed. Word. As it relates to, what's that thing, the Titan? Uh, the Ocean Gate, Titan, Submersible. Submersible. Yeah. That. I'll have to work on a, I'll have to massage a title, but we'll be talking about that since it's topical. And Steve uh, clued me into a couple conspiracy theories that that sound pretty wacky it might be might be interesting to talk about uh throw it throw it against the wall and see what sticks um cool uh i don't have any uh i don't think there's any new reviews or let me double check that real quick no okay we have gotten some good feedback from uh the last Two a couple episodes ago about the Karen Reed. There's, I think that's just a product of it being pretty topical. But if that, like seeing that's good, that it's getting more attention. Um, have you heard any updates? Like, is have, have there has there been any uh, trial dates locked down or? No, as far as I know, her next trial date is twenty something. But yeah, I, I am starting <sighs> to see a little more attention being paid to it so yeah so that one we'll we'll keep an eye on and maybe come back to at some point um cool any big plans for fourth of july nope nope do they still do them at the uh like at the baseball field is that like if you were gonna go that's the main draw uh no i think the, the big place they do it around here is the fairgrounds fairgrounds no to stay home to pet our cat she hates me so. oh does she get does it affect her real bad does she freak out she just hates it she doesn't oh, like okay. freak out too much but yeah i've only had a couple dogs that like really like get affected by it and one was like this big fat mutt and uh i can't remember what the fuck its name was roxanne and then roxanne she would just like shiver like I remember being like on my bed or like we'd be out on the couch and we'd like huddle around her, you know, and like have a blanket around her and be like, oh, you got to pet their head. And it's just fucking shaking. It's like, like yeah. super tensed out. I know some dogs go nuts and bark and stuff, but since then I've gotten pretty lucky. They're just like, it's more like a visual, like their eyes get a little bit bigger and they'll kind of, they'll like dart up to the sky, but they're like, Pretty pretty chill about it, but yeah, I've seen nut, some dogs go fucking ape shit. Right on. Uh, okay, well, yeah. So if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, 
hate mail is welcome. Mail. You can reach out to you can reach out to us at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. Uh, either of our socials, Instagram is uh, at waxing the porpoise. Twitter is at waxing the porp. Um, yeah, we got a couple fun, fun episodes coming up here. Uh, I'm excited. Orca is on the horizon. That's one I've been thinking about. I can't wait to talk about that one. That'll be fun. Um, hoisted a couple. I don't know if you noticed this. Got some the lighting's shit here, but it's a Narragansett Narragansett beer. They have a, a, a limited edition. This is the dude uh, Quint in uh, Jaws. That's what he drinks. Uh, it's like a local like favorite in like the Rhode Island, like Massachusetts area, kind of like Youngling is out here in the Midwest. Yeah, I've never seen Jaws. Dude, the time is now, my friend. It's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's awesome. It's a really cool summertime horror but it's more it's a it's a spielberg film too you know so it's like it's got that what he brings to like poltergeist and like et like it's very much it's got a really good story behind it it's not just like the shark huh i've never seen et et is a banger dude it really is (laughs) i know it's like overhyped and it's like you think about it as this big thing but it's sneaky kind of sneaky halloween movie it takes place during Halloween. It's it's a it's got a it's up it's right up there with like with me like at Christmas time and watching Home Alone. It's like once as we get into like Halloween season, like ET is like, especially like a family friendly kind of thing. But it's actually, dude, ET gets kind of dark in some spots. Man, it's pretty, it's it's wild. Anyway, uh, that'll do it for us uh, for summer of '84. Uh, another summertime kind of horror slight horror i'd say horror adjacent this is more like a mystery kind of like thriller and drama i guess in some spots coming of age kind of deal goonies like maybe a slightly harder edge goonies yeah check it out so we'll see you when we see you and we will see you later there's a serial killer on the loose what else could possibly be this exciting incoming titties